Hi, and welcome back to Map the Maze. So today I wanted to start a new series, a fresh series, something that feels positive. I don't know whether it is spring or the fact that I've had my first vaccination shot, but I think it's underappreciated and underestimated that there can be new beginnings which are positive for people as a result of separation and divorce. And that when you are in the belly of the beast, it can be very difficult to see that, but that it is worth bearing in mind. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to share with you some of the ideas, some of the experiences of some of the people I've worked with and some of the people who write in this area around positive change, opportunity, to give you a different perspective. It's very common when we talk about separation and divorce that we focus on the loss, and that is natural because there are many losses that are occurring when a couple decides to separate. There are losses around the relationship, the emotional support, the physical intimacy, the shared dreams, the shared future, financial security, uh, financial um, dependence around the children, around the living environment, maybe even around the country that you're living in, around identity, around extended family, about relationships with in-laws. There are many, many losses. And so often when we talk about separation and divorce, we focus on those. And that is a function of the nature of the transition. And it can be terrifying, and it can be disempowering, and it can be paralyzing. But it's not the only story. And over the next few weeks, I wanted to maybe body some spring energy, maybe help you think about what are some of the opportunities that can come out of the separation and divorce? What are some of the new beginnings that can come from what is a, for most people, traumatic experience, that for most people, this is the most difficult thing that they will have to overcome in their lives. And I guess what I would say is we can focus on the loss and in order to be able to process what's happened, people need to focus on what's happening, what they're losing. But as Mark Manson, who wrote The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, said, we're not it's not our fault what happens to us in life. So the example he gives is somewhat ridiculous, but if you are run over by a clown car, and obviously it's deliberately ridiculous, that's not your fault. But how you decide to respond to it is your responsibility. And I think he has quite a lot of lessons around making choices. So over the next few weeks, I wanted to give you another option. If you are working through a divorce or a separation, you need to process and deal with the loss. 
that you are experiencing and feeling. And so I would always recommend that people get professional support because family and friends can only take you so far. But it is also true that there will be a new beginning, that every end is a beginning. And so if we only focus on the loss and the end, we miss we miss half the story. And the other half of the story is what are the opportunities for people to move forward in their lives, to maybe chart a new course. I'm not saying it's not a scary course, but to chart a new course, a course they maybe wouldn't have charted, a journey they wouldn't have set out on if they were not separating. And how do people do that? What are some of the tools and ideas that other people have had that may be helpful to you? That if you're at that crossroads and as you stand back and look in the past, there's the relationship that you are leaving and the future's really dark. It is a dark path, it's dim, it's unknown. But what are some ways that you might think about that path that lies ahead of you as an opportunity, as a way to empower yourself? So in one of the other episodes, I talked about how one of the underlying principles of mediation is empowerment. It's about helping people to make decisions, to make choices about their lives going forward. And so for me, this series that I'm launching today feels very consonant with that. It's very much what I would love to be working, the lens I would love to be working with people on when I work with them in mediation. It's not always possible and sometimes it's hard to see at the time. I guess what I would say is that sometimes I hear from clients afterwards and they have gone on a journey they were not expecting. They have been able to explore avenues that they never thought they would. They are in relationships that they never thought they would have. Um, I guess I wanted to focus on the hope that in a lot of the episodes, we've looked at some of the challenges. So we've focused a lot on the chaos, but I think important to give people a sense of possibility, a sense of hope. And so that's what the next couple of weeks will be about. So the first thing to acknowledge is that separation is a transition. So just as a butterfly emerges from a chrysalis, this is a process that it is moving from one state to another state. And part of that is around the relationship and part of that may be around financial situation, childcare situation, even country. Not everyone is ready to do it when the transition comes. Not everyone is resilient. Not everyone is good at change. And often people will say to me, clients will say to me, I don't want to get divorced. I don't want to do this. I didn't choose to separate. And that is one of the hard things to accept, which is that remaining in the relationship will require both parties, both people to consent, both people to agree, both people to commit. But separating only needs one person to decide to leave. And that can be really hard for people to accept. 
I would say I've even seen people who have initiated the divorce and separation struggle with this idea that the separation is happening, that sometimes in the heat of the moment or in an argument, people say, I'm going to get a divorce or I'm going to go and see a lawyer or we need to separate. They may not necessarily mean it. And I think that until you've actioned it, it's the consequences of it are not necessarily always thought through. So it is true that change is hard for everybody. Some people are better at it than others, that's for sure. And it can be difficult to start again, that for some of the people I work with, they've maybe been in relationship since they were at school. These are high school sweethearts who have been married for 20, 30 years, um, who are struggling to separate, disentangle their lives, which they have weaved together, and find a way to function as independent individuals again. And I think it can be very hard, particularly for those people who their entire adult experience has been structured as part of this relationship, that they've never been an independent adult, that they went from being at school to being in relationship. And so there hasn't been a chance for them to establish what am I like as an adult outside this relationship, that everything is referenced back. And so definitely for those people, that reset can be exhausting, that it can feel overwhelming. But I guess I would say is that even for those people, there is a way forward, that we all understand that new beginnings are tough. Depending on how old you are and what, how good your memory is, you may remember that first day at school, that first day on the new job, the first date. Firsts are hard. And so just as divorce and separation is a time for lasts, is a time for endings, it's also a time for firsts. First, as a new single person. And that can be both exciting and terrifying. It can be anxiety producing and exhilarating. The reason that there is this sense of possibility, if you are open to it, this sense of potential, is because things are unknown. So I guess one of the things that people need to consider as they, in mediation, look forward and try and plan what does life look like for me going forward, what does it mean to be independent? So of, often people will focus on some aspects, but there, I, th I think, are lots of different aspects to being an independent adult. So often when I'm working with people, we're trying to figure out financial situation, the financial arrangements for both parties, and definitely financial independence, financial stability is something that people focus on. And it's easy, it's, it's tangible, it's comprehensible, it's got numbers, um, it feels a little bit, I think, like a rock that you can focus on clearly. I also work with people who are trying to establish, re-establish a career, and this may be a career they've never had, so they may be looking to train or qualify in some new area, 
or it can be something they're returning to. So maybe they have been out of the workforce and now they're looking to return to the workforce. Or they may just be continuing their career, but perhaps if they're now juggling a schedule with children, that may lead to consequential changes in terms of their ability, not at the moment during COVID, but one day to travel for work or to work until midnight. Maybe they don't have that option anymore if it's a day when they're scheduled to be caring for the children. So I think those questions are kind of obvious and that we almost always deal with those in mediation that because we're trying to put in place financial arrangements, those questions around financial stability, around earning capacity and career are really important about requalifying. So I can think of one case that I'm working on where the wife hasn't worked for a long time but has a passion for a particular type of work and I think if they had stayed married maybe she would never have had the opportunity to investigate doing this work but because of the separation and the divorce because she's now thinking what would it look like if I was working what would I be doing what would I like to do she's given herself permission to explore this new avenue of expertise this new qualification and there is sadness there is chaos there is challenge around putting in place arrangements but at the same time I can see when she talks about this new opportunity there's excitement there is excitement about something new that will be something she can build for herself that this is about her expression of her individuality and her abilities and her gifts being used in a way that she may not have considered if the marriage had continued. And so that's what I was saying when I say there are endings, but there are beginnings. And so for this lady, I can see that even when she talks about it, even though there is still concern around putting in place financial arrangements, that there is a there is a fire of excitement that is coming for her about the path that she is now going to be able to choose for herself. Often there are lots of life decisions. And so finances, career, earning capacity is one aspect, but also just where will people live? That that can be a real question. That until the relationship came to an end, there were there were assumptions about where the couple would be living. There may have been future plans. But when those go away, now there is this sense of, well, if I don't have to live here because I'm no longer in relationship with this person, where would I want to be? Where is my family? Where is my friend network? Where are my professional opportunities? So there can be a whole sense of liberation, I think, in terms of if I don't have to make decisions based on where the other person needs to be, where do I want to be? I think also in relation to children, and I would say, I guess, that when I work with parents trying to set up their co-parenting um, arrangements, guidelines, that there can be a lot of disagreement and that sometimes the disagreements that the parents have had in relation to parenting, just how to parent their children, have led to some of the conflict that 
until they had children, they didn't realize that they had divergent or in some cases completely separate views about what is appropriate in raising a child and that those conflicts surfaced and contributed in part to the breakdown of the relationship. When people separate, there is an opportunity to redesign co-parenting. I'm going to talk about that in one of the episodes because I think this is a really important aspect that people can design. What does co-parenting look like for us? What do we think? How do we want this to work? I think the other aspect is that Isolina Ricci, who I know I've mentioned before, in her book, Mom's House, Dad's House, talks about this idea that there are common rules, things that everyone agrees, this is how we're going to do it, but there are also individual rules. And so for some people, this is a chance to, for those other rules, parent in the way they want to parent when children are with them. And it may be the first time they've been able to do that without being second-guessed or undermined from their perspective by the other parent. And so there can be a sense of freedom around when the children are with me, I get to parent them the way I want to. Yes, we may have some agreements in place about the big things, but on the other things, I can make choices. And so for some people, that can also be quite liberating, that they get to express their view of how they would like to parent their children in the time that they have them. That in addition um, to finances, in addition to um, where am I going to live, in addition to kind of redesigning your life, um, people get to redesign their co-parenting. And I think also people learn to communicate in a different way that some parents that I work with uh, particularly uh, typically if people don't have children we wouldn't be working on communication going forward for them that they can make a decision to communicate or not communicate we wouldn't typically be trying to put in place guidelines so it's often around people who have children but they have a chance to try and find new ways of communicating new ways of negotiating, new ways of listening. And all of those skills then feed into whatever new relationship they are in. So I think that's another um, opportunity that people who use mediation for their divorce and separation get to experience. And the last one is kind of the personal one, which is that for whatever reason, the relationship the person was in wasn't sustaining them it wasn't meeting needs it wasn't providing support and so sometimes people will say well yes we haven't been happy for a long time but I didn't think we would get divorced and it's hard it's hard to I think think about what the future looks like out of the relationship that the alternative staying in a bad relationship seems better so one of the other opportunities I think that people have is to say, this is what I think is important to me in a relationship. This is how I want to be in a relationship. And then to try and build that with a new person to actually make that um, declaration about priorities, about values, about how you want to be treated, about how you're willing to treat the other person. And then find that because the reality is it isn't 
in the existing relationship, that it's not meeting people's needs. It isn't supporting both of you. So I'm excited to talk about these new beginnings and to share with you some information. So listen in and I will speak to you next week. Take care. Welcome to Map the Maze. I wanted to share the ideas and thoughts in the podcast that you're about to listen to with a wider audience. But please know that nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal, financial, or mental health advice. It is really important that you seek independent professional advice to help you with your situation and your circumstances. Knowledge is power. So let's get to it.